Hi, this is Steve Poor, and you're listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Justice Techs, an MIT and Google-backed startup, is building technology to improve criminal justice outcomes for low-income Americans. Today's guest is Devshi Mehrotra, Justice Tech's CEO and co-founder. It's remarkable that she started this work when she was a computer science undergraduate at the University of Chicago, while the city was reeling from the death of Laquan McDonald. That's when she and co-founder Leslie Jones-Dove began their work helping public defenders better utilize large volumes of admissible video and audio data. Today, Justice Text is an audio-visual evidence management platform that expedites review of collected video and audio data with machine learning to support the work of public defenders. Devshi talks to me about how falling in love with the problem helped her go against her natural risk aversion, how participating in startup programs and accelerators contributed to the success of Justice Text, and how she's building a strong company culture. It was great to listen to someone who's not a lawyer changing the way lawyers work. It was inspirational. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Devshi, thank you for joining the podcast. I appreciate your time today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I look forward to it. You're the co-founder of Justice Text. Let's start by telling us a little bit about what Justice Text does and the problem it's designed to solve. Yeah, definitely. Justice Text started off as a school project when me and my co-founder were still undergrads at the University of Chicago. We reached out to our local public defenders at the Cook County Public Defender's Office and basically just asked them if they had any technical challenges that we could be helpful with. And what we discovered in that initial conversation is that over the past five years or so, the very nature of criminal defense has completely changed because of the influx of audio and video evidence that is now such an integral part of most criminal defense cases. So what we heard is that public defenders are getting flooded with hours of body camera footage, interrogation videos, jail calls, and don't really have any good system in place at the moment to get through all of that. So our tool takes in all that data, automatically transcribes it using machine learning, pulls out references to important parts in the video, and makes it easy for attorneys to create video exhibits, collaborate with one another, things like that. So as a high-level overview, that's what we're building at Justice Text. So I want to talk in more detail about what the Justice Text solution is, but let's let's back up and talk a little bit about this started as a project at your UFC undergrad class. You're a computer science major, if I understand it correctly, as is your co-founder, Leslie. What caused you to pick up the phone and call a public defender to find out their problem? That's a fantastic question. I did study computer science, but from my very first day in undergrad, I was deeply involved with local organizing around issues pertaining to education and, and policing reform. Three months into our freshman year at the University of Chicago is when the police dash cam video of Laquan McDonald's murder was released. And one of the things that I personally spent a lot of time reflecting on was how so much of the technology that's deployed in our justice system is designed to make it easier to arrest and incarcerate. And as a young person and as a young person of color, I started thinking, 
what would it look like if we're the ones who are building technology for our justice system? And what would it look like if we're centering the needs of communities who have been historically marginalized? And so one of the things that we quickly realized is that public defenders don't have a lot of technology vendors, technology providers who are specifically building solutions for their needs. And a lot of times people were surprised uh, that we were reaching out to them, but they were also very welcoming. And so I think it's been an incredible experience, but that's kind of how my background in computer science and my passion for this work come together. It's not typical that you see computer science programs devoted to social justice issues. How did that work at the U of C in the program? I know you came up with this in your entrepreneurship and technology class. So how, how did those two things fit together? I always say I don't know if the justice tech story would have been possible without the initial support and resources that we received from the University of Chicago. First of all, we took a class that was focused on entrepreneurship and our professor at the time, Dylan Hall, was incredibly supportive of whichever direction we wanted to go. He even attended a meeting that we had done with one of the folks at the public defender's office and coached us, guided us on you know, creating our first iteration of the pitch deck, things like that. And then we realized that to be able to get a website up and running, to be able to create our AWS account and actually incorporate as a company, we needed a little bit of money. And so we got our first couple thousand dollars from the university as well. The Institute of Politics has been an incredible supporter of the work that we're doing from the very beginning. So wherever I could, I reached out to professors, to different community service organizations, and that was the early days of Justice Text. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, I want to hear more about your journey as an entrepreneur here in a second, but let's talk a little bit about Justice Text Solution. There are speech-to-text software solutions out there already. How is yours designed around the particular need? Yours is specifically focused on public defenders. Definitely. What is it that makes it unique and applicable to public defenders? And how did you go about your design phase to achieve that result? I think that's a fantastic question. And one of the things that we also realized in our journey is that a lot of technology that has disrupted other industries, speech recognition as an example, for some reason takes a while to find its way into legal. Yes, it does, doesn't it? And oftentimes when I <laughs> when I spoke with public defenders and told them that, you know, this is a possibility for them, I would say 90% of them are very surprised. And then I kind of tell them, you know, you're familiar with Siri, you're familiar with Alexa. Those all are very common pieces of consumer software and hardware that use speech recognition at their core. But as you said, the process of designing specifically for public defenders is unique. From the very beginning, we showed up at our public defenders, found a group of 10 attorneys who would give us feedback. And that's kind of how we got started building the tool. One of the things that has been really important is making sure that we're designing a product that is just as easy to use for a recent law school grad as it is for someone who's been a criminal defense attorney for 40 years. I think rightly so. A lot of lawyers, a lot of attorneys are nervous about adopting new tech tools. And so a lot of our UI UX, a lot of our design process puts that first and foremost and has been a priority in our development process. Secondly, when we're going through all of this footage, a lot of the audio quality isn't that great. 
We're dealing with body cameras, which have police sirens in the background, crosstalk, aggressive language. And so we had to train our models and design our models with that in mind and to make sure that things like underrepresented dialects, African-American vernacular are also a priority for us as we're generating our outputs. And then thirdly, what I quickly realized is that a big need for uh, criminal defense attorneys is the ability to actually create video exhibits that they can then use in court. So whether that's redaction tools, clipping tools, the ability to share small video clips with other people, that's another area where we've really doubled down and built out extensive capabilities in justice text that might not exist in other speech-to-text platforms. That's fascinating. I know you said that the lawyers you talked to, many didn't even realize that there was a solution out there. Did you get much pushback from people in terms of utilizing the tool once you're able to roll it out? Because no, I've not seen any speech recognition tool that's 100% accurate in terms of translation. I'm sure yours is quite accurate, but do you feel resistance to adoption of the tool? 100%. And I would say that coaching attorneys about the value of justice text in spite of the fact that it's not 100% accurate has been one of our biggest priorities, but also biggest challenges in rolling out the software. Oftentimes when folks hear that justice text is quote unquote, a transcription tool, you know, they expect it to function similarly to a court reporter where they don't then have to worry about the transcript. They can just kind of quickly scan through it, not worry about the video. But, you know, at the end of the day, even with the best machine learning algorithm out there, you're probably only going to get 70, 80% accuracy for a body cam video. And so we've had to make sure that we emphasize to attorneys that, yes, you're not going to have something that's 100% of the way there, but this is a tool that's designed to assist you. And here are you know the many features that we've built out to do that. It doesn't remove the need to review the video in its entirety. And so that's a message that we've tweaked and played around with quite a bit. But I think it's it's resonating now. And we see lots and lots of attorneys who are justice text users getting a lot of value out of it. What's your uh, installed user base? How many public defenders are using the tool? Yeah, um, I think we have right around 40 public defender agencies who are justice text clients at the moment, including around 2022 in Virginia. We recently started a partnership with Virginia's Indigent Defense Commission, where we rolled out our software to every single public defender across the state. So that's very exciting for us because it's going to be an opportunity to see the impact of our software at a scale like we haven't been able to see before. Oh, that's fabulous. Congratulations. I saw the news blurb where you just came back from meeting with some Virginia public defenders. That's that's very exciting. Thank you. So you mentioned one of the challenges is understanding dialects, different languages. You're talking about a true cross-section of American society that that you're covering, you know, when you're talking about criminal defense, particularly public defenders. That must have been an incredibly complicated technological problem to solve. How did you go about finding the resources to do that? I would say that to begin, we just wanted to build a speech recognition tool that does as much as it can. So there's tons of audio and video out there on YouTube of, you know, movie recordings, podcast recordings, radio recording, etc. And then increasingly, there are researchers who are creating corpora for underrepresented dialects. I referenced African-American vernacular earlier. There's also many other types of corpora of voice data sets that are being collected, which we've also 
also been able to leverage. And as we partner with new agencies, we ask them if they can share transcripts of jail calls of body cams that they've done in the past that we can then use to improve our model. Some offices are more comfortable sharing that information than others, but that's fine. We take it where we can and do our best to make sure that we're building a piece of technology that works just as well on standard American English as well as underrepresented communities, which are disproportionately represented in the justice system, unfortunately. So you're building a company, which has to be a new experience for you. I didn't read in your materials that you had built companies before going to college. So how do you learn the nuts and bolts of what it takes to recruit people and get funding and do all of the hard work that's necessary to build a successful company? How does one learn that? I think that's a very good question. And as you mentioned, I had no prior experience in building a company. To be honest, I never really aspired to be an entrepreneur. I don't. I, I think I was relatively risk averse um, the way I was raised and, and the way I grew up. And to be honest, the reason I started building Justice Tax is because I fell in love with the problem and wanted to see the difference. I wanted to see a solution to it out in the world so badly that I went against what would be my natural tendencies and decided to make this leap. I will say, when I was about to graduate from my master's program, I gave myself three to four months to either convince someone to invest a little bit of money into Justice Tax or to be accepted into an accelerator program. And I basically said, if I can accomplish either of those two goals in the next three months, then you know what? I'll stop looking for jobs and I will make this my full-time commitment. And I would reach out to anyone who would be willing to hop on a Zoom call with me. I would DM people on Twitter, respond to different threads on Twitter, apply to any opportunity that I found. And I had a conversation with a venture partner at 500 Startups. You know, he was just hosting open office hours. That was something that I saw on LinkedIn. And after that first conversation, he said, you know what, I'd love to continue this conversation and loop in some other members of my team. And so we applied to 500 Startups, which is a well-known accelerator out of San Francisco and were accepted. It came with a $150,000 investment. And, you know, after that, we were off to the races. I didn't worry too much about what I didn't know because I had a community of people that I could rely on and get that type of mentorship from. Uh, talk a little bit about that community. I don't think in the podcast, we haven't really talked to anybody that's been through the accelerator incubator experience, but from reading interviews you've given, I know that's an important component of your success. Talk a little bit about what that's meant to you and to Justice Text. Definitely. So I did the 500 Startups Accelerator program right around the same time that I did the Duke Law Tech Lab Incubator. And so these were two very different types of programs, but incredibly valuable nonetheless. 500 Startups had this massive, incredible community of people who had scaled businesses previously. And so as we were looking to make our first engineering contractor hire, and I was worried about what are the tax regulations? How do I run an interview process? There were people that I could just message in a big Slack group and hop on a quick 15-minute call and get their thoughts and feedback. They offered us free legal support in getting incorporated, in dealing with a lot of the legal challenges that a number of startups face in the early days. And so that was something that the Accelerator community was able to provide for us. When it comes to Duke Law Tech Lab, 
that was a community that was focused on justice tech entrepreneurs, which is very much the vertical that we're operating in. And so they connected us with public defenders, lawyers, people who could give us really detailed user feedback, and just an incredible community of other entrepreneurs who are going down the same journey that I was. I've done many, many more, you know, startup programs since then, but those were some of the first ones that I took part in. It sounds like a fabulous resource. So picking up on your Duke conversation about connecting with lawyers and criminal defense lawyers, you're not a lawyer, you're a computer science major. So this was your introduction to the real world of public defense, criminal defense. What did you learn about that that surprised you? And what did you already know going into? What what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I was someone who would read a lot, watch, you know, a lot of documentaries, listen to podcasts about criminal justice issues more broadly. But when I started building Justice Text, that was my first exposure to understanding what does the day-to-day of a public defender actually look like? What are the day-to-day challenges that public defenders are up against? Because I had a good sense of, from a structural perspective, what are the roadblocks to more progressive reform? But what I was really surprised to learn about was how so many mundane sounding inefficiencies when brought together contribute to injustice in a way that you would never expect. Whether that's court systems that don't have an efficient process in place for scheduling hearings, that don't have an efficient process of communicating with people when to arrive at their hearings, whether that's public defenders having case management tools that were built 20 years ago and don't function very well. What I started realizing more and more is that it's one thing to have legislative victories and and policy changes implemented at the high level, but you very much need technologists and other people who are innovating on these processes to actually bring that to fruition. And so it made me really excited because, you know, I was skeptical. I'm like, I learned how to build software. Can I do anything that actually makes the lives of public defenders meaningfully better? And the more and more I started doing this work, I realized there is so much that we can be doing. And it was very cool to see how receptive a lot of these agencies were to having two 20-something-year-olds just show up to pilot their software. That had to be an interesting experience for them to have two 20-something-year-olds come in with software. Their eyes had to get really big and go, what, 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 what? what's happening here? <laughs> exactly. What's the revenue model? I mean, I know one of the issues public defenders offices have, I, I have a daughter who was a public defender, is resource. Investing money in technology is a challenging problem for many public defense agencies. How do you overcome that barrier? We have a pretty simple uh, revenue model. A license to Justice Text is $100 per attorney per month. And for that price, an attorney can upload 20 hours of audio or video content to the product. I think it's very easy to understand how the pricing works. But as you alluded to, not every public defender has the resources to invest thousands and thousands of dollars in new technology. One of the things that I did realize very early on is that public defender agencies are spending money to address the issue that we're tackling around audio and video evidence. But generally, you know, it's it's through the form of hiring more investigators who are specifically focused on downloading and uploading video all day or more paralegals who are 
going through and hand transcribing a lot of audio and video evidence. And I think the case that we're making to a lot of offices is that at a fraction of that cost, um, you can equip every single individual in your office with a resource that's going to make them more efficient, going to make them happier and allow them to actually focus their time and energy on direct client interactions, thinking through legal arguments, the work that they really find most meaningful. So yeah, I I think we've priced it in a way that is, I would say, manageable for most public defense agencies. But if we do come across public defenders, indigent defense providers in a more rural part of the country, which really can't afford technology like this, we're always happy to accommodate and find ways around it. You said you have relationships with 40 agencies. You mentioned Virginia. Where else are you providing this service? Some of the offices that have been working with us for the longest amount of time include Harris County's Public Defenders, PDS, so DC's Public Defender System. We recently rolled out the software in DuPage County in Illinois. There's this incredible legal aid nonprofit out of Tulsa called Still She Rises. Those are some of the names off the top of my head. Still She Rises is an awesome organization, isn't it? Yep. I have so much respect for the work that they're doing. And they were also one of the earliest adopters of our software. So those are some of the public defenders that we're working with, but there's dozens more and we're hoping to continue expanding. I'm sure you follow up with users after they've had some experience with your software working for a while. What kind of feedback do you get and what kind of changes has that led you to make in the software? We get so much feedback. And when we went to Virginia in person, that was also an opportunity for us to get really, really insightful feedback from folks who had been using the tool for several months now. Oftentimes, we get feedback for new features that folks would like to see in the product. And so I recently heard back from an attorney in Illinois who told us, the transcripts are great, saving me a lot of time. I would love to have closed captioning so that I can actually use this tool in jury trials and present the video clips that I generate on your platform. Funny enough, we had just released closed captioning like two days before. And so I was able to tell them that that's something that we added because of other feature requests. Other folks want, you know, more collaboration tools because they tell us we're not just working alone. I have interns supporting me. I have investigators supporting me. And so that's something that we've made a priority. So Oftentimes, the feedback is the tool is cool, but like I want it to do all these other things as well. And we prioritize some of those requests, you know, as they come and depending on how many people ask us. So going back to the Duke experience for a moment, there are other people in this vertical trying to come up with tech solutions, hitting various parts of it. What's your relationship? How do you do you coordinate with those folks? Is there an effort to try to have coordinated responses to these problems? I'm curious how the ecosystem works. Yeah, that's a great question. I know there is a Justice Tech Association that's been created pretty recently, which is doing really incredible work and in bringing together different stakeholders and having coordinated responses to legislative issues, et cetera. I will say, though, a lot of the energy around justice tech is focused on civil legal aid. There are some really incredible players in the on the criminal side, including Uptrust and Emilio. But for the most part, you know, the explosion in justice tech has really happened on the civil side. So there's incredible organizations like People Clerk, Paladin, Upsolve. I could go on and on who are doing really great work to make everyday legal services more accessible to you know, the average consumer. And so I think the Justice Tech Association 
has a pretty strong representation of, of those types of organizations. But yeah, um, I think I consider many of these fellow entrepreneurs, my mentors, my supporters. And I would say from my perspective, at least I rely on them more on like a one-on-one interpersonal basis. So what are the goals for Justice Text? Obviously, I assume you want to get as many public defenders installed base as possible. Where do you see it in two, three, four, or five years? As you said, the number one focus for us right now is definitely around growth, given that we have a solid set of public defenders who are using the tool, getting value from the tool. We want to make sure that we're telling that story and expanding more and more. I think after that, a big focus is going to be how do we actually track the impact of, of justice text? Because we have lots of anecdotes, lots of stories of people telling us that this is saving them time. But if we could partner with law schools, research clinics, and actually do an impact assessment of what is our technology doing in terms of improving outcomes for low-income defendants, that would be an incredible next step for us. How do you go about finding public defense? How do you get the introduction, to use a crass term? What's the marketing strategy? Great question. Um, And for anyone who is thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, unfortunately, in the early days, there really aren't any shortcuts. I would send hundreds of emails, cold emails to chief public defenders, to people who had gone to UChicago's law school, any sort of connection that I could make and try to get on calls with people and, and build that relationship. In the early days, it was a lot of manual grunt work and just not being afraid to be turned down. We got to a point where our current clients would go to conferences and mention justice tax during a panel or during a webinar. And we would get inbound interest from, you know, other people who are in attendance. Anytime a legal trade publication writes about us, law.com, Indiana Lawyer, there's also people who see that article and then reach out. I will say those types of pieces of news coverage have been a really powerful way in which we get word out about justice tax. So yeah, I would say we still do a good chunk of cold email outreach, but more and more, I think the word of mouth is, is spreading. One last question on the feature set that just you you touched on it, but there are particular things criminal defense lawyers are going to be looking for in interviews or interrogations. What's the search capability? Does Justice Dex incorporate machine learning where it's highlighting those things automatically or is that user directed search? We automatically surface references to things like Miranda, someone being Mirandized, references to weapons, drugs, crimes, and, you know, give a good sense of what was being talked about in a given video. And these keywords can be really helpful if you've uploaded 50 jail calls to Justice Text and want to quickly get a sense of where to focus in your attention. But we do have the ability for users to just search for keywords themselves. So if they're looking for all references to John, We'll just scan their entire corpus and surface the exact timestamp in which that person was was referenced. And what's the size of Justice Text? How many people do you have working on the company? We have right around eight or nine employees at the moment, including myself and Leslie. We also have a, a really great team of interns, six interns this summer who have been incredible to work with all across, you know, marketing, engineering, and content. And so I would say we're a relatively small team, also a relatively young team. 
But it's been a great opportunity for me to not only figure out what does it mean to build a great product, but what does it mean to build a strong company culture and motivate a team to support one another, work well together, even while we're remote. A lot of us have never met one another in person. And so that's another unique aspect of how we've scaled the the business. That's an interesting dynamic in these days of pandemic, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So if people who are listening want to contact to get more information, we'll put links in the show notes. But how can they reach out and find you or folks on your team to get more information about Justice Text? Yeah, definitely. I would say if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, my name is Devshi Mahrotra. Please feel free to reach out. My email is Devshi at justicetext.com. And you can learn more about what we're up to, different public defenders that we're working with on our website as well, justicetext.com. Well, hopefully you'll get people contacting you from this podcast and you'll continue your great success in the work you're doing. Thank you for everything you're doing and thanks for your time today, Devshi. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for listening to Pioneers and Pathfinders. Be sure to visit thepioneerpodcast.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform.